Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. help you to combat against that lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Agree with Job and literally set binders on your eyes. And I'm not just talking about areas of sexual sin, though that is huge in our world and in our culture right now. But in every area that is contrary to the will and the plan of God in our life. You know what? The thoughts may come over us. The temptation might come. But man, we need to cut it right there. We need to stop it right there. The longer we allow that temptation or that thought to come into our mind, the harder it is to break away from it. John says the world and all that's in it is passing away. But if you do the will of God, John declares you will abide forever with him. Today, Pastor David offers practical advice about how to combat the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life that can destroy your faith if you're not careful. He encourages you to curb your appetite for the things of this world. Choose to walk away from anything that's contrary to the will of God in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't allow temptations to linger. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Greatness of His Love. We are on that journey through uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. We're still in 1st John. I invite you, if you've got your Bibles, turn to the book of 1st John. We are actually in the second chapter right now. Call to True Christianity is the title or the thought, the idea, the theme of this whole particular journey through these three epistles. We saw back up in chapter 2, which is where we're at, back up in uh, verse 15, where John focused on a concern he had for the church of the first century. And I shared with you, not only was it a concern for the church of the first century, but it's the same stuff that's going on with us today. Some 2,000 years later, there's the same, the same kind of issues, the same kind of dealings that are happening right now. Look with me, if you would, First John chapter 2 and verse 15. John says, do not love the world or the things in the world If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of the Father abides forever. Now, I shared a lot about that. We're not going to go back and rehash all of that, but I do want to, again, Bring it into the context, you know, as we're breaking this thing up like that. It's John wrote this as as we've shared as one letter, and so I want to make sure we get it in the context. When he speaks here of the world and us loving the world, it's that it's that idea, it's that understanding really that we shouldn't be overly, overtly attached 
to the things of this fallen culture that is all around us. And too often, even as believers, we get too attached to these things. We're holding way too tight of these things. We're way too focused on the things of this world rather than being focused on the things of God. That doesn't mean that you can't have nice things. It doesn't mean that, uh, again, to enjoy the time and the life and the pleasures that God has given us. But the thing is, is where's the balance of that within your love for, your fellowship with, and your desire for the things of God. There ought to be such a day and night difference that, again, your love for God as compared to the things of this world is like hating the world. It comes to that idea. I shared with you, if you have the kind of attachment for the things of this world that, again, you're so focused on them, that system of values, those goals where, again, God is excluded completely, then the fullness of your attachment, again, for the things of God and for his kingdom will not be where they're supposed to be. And the the two cannot coexist. Having such a, a passionate attachment to the temporary things of this world and also trying to have an passionate attachment to the things of God. All of the things offered by the world, all of our culture, the things we crave for in the flesh, the things that we lust for with our eyes, the things we try to maintain with our pride, the fact is all of these things are going to burn. It's all going to burn, folks. All we have to do is look at the Word of God. It's all going to pass away because by the very nature of the things that we crave for in this life, in this realm, in this culture, they're all temporary. And so how much emphasis, how much focus, how much passion, how much drive do we have for things that are temporary as compared to the things that are eternal? You and I, as believers, we need to be heavenly-minded. And I know you've heard the the old saying that says, oh, they're so heavenly-minded, they're of absolutely no earthly good. Do you know the reality is just the opposite? The more heavenly-minded you are, the more earthly good you're going to be. Because if you're not heavenly-minded, you're of absolutely no value to this world. You're just kind of going along, as I've shared with you before. You're like all the rest of the dead fish just floating downstream. And any dead fish can float downstream. It's when you are passionate for the things of God that you turn around and you start swimming upstream. And yes, as I've shared, as you start swimming upstream, all the dead things are going to hit you right in the face. All, all the garbage is going to run into you. You're going to have trials and tribulations, but Jesus told us about that anyway, right? So it's no surprise. So let's be passionate for the things of God's kingdom. Hey, the things that are here, enjoy them while we have them. Not a problem there. But don't be so passionate, so attached to them that, again, it distracts from your passion, your attachment, your fellowship, your walking in Christ, your walking in the Spirit. Again, all this stuff is just temporary. That's why John tells us in verse 17 there, this world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. I also gave you three thoughts or ideas about combating this lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You may or may not remember them. I'll reshare them with you. I shared with you the fact that one of the ways of combating against these things is, again, for you and I personally to actively curb our appetite for the things of this world. 
purposefully make the decision in your life to curb your appetite for the things of this world, choosing to walk away from those things. Now, I love ice cream. I love ice cream. I love pizza. There's like two of my favorite things, pepperoni pizza and, believe it or not, vanilla ice cream. I'm just a plain vanilla kind of guy. Now, if you want to put some nuts and some caramel on that, that's okay too. But primarily, it's the the vanilla ice cream. That's what I love. But you know what? I would be very, very rotund if I did not at some point in time say, you know, that's enough. I don't need to eat the whole half gallon. I need to stop. I need to have like a bowl. I don't need to eat half that large pizza. I can get by with a couple of slices. Amen? Some of you have the same struggle, maybe in a different area. I have to choose. And in the same way that I choose and I curb those things, you and I need to choose. We need to curb those things that the world draws us. They're attractive. There's no doubt about it. That's why temptation is temptation, because it's attracted to us. That's why, and I shared fellowship years ago, and I got in trouble with it because I didn't kind of finish my thought. Uh, I said, listen, sin is fun. Sin is fun. There's no doubt about it. But the closing end of that is, it's only fun for a season, and then there's a cost to pay for it. You see, if sin wasn't fun, if it wasn't enjoyable, we wouldn't be tempted by it, right? We just wouldn't be. But again, Satan has found those things within each one of our lives, and each one of our lives, those weaknesses that, again, Satan knows, and so he draws us to those things. And until we come to that point of realizing, yeah, you know, I may really enjoy that ice cream, but if I continue to eat that ice cream, I'm going to destroy my life. And in the same way, man, curbing our appetite for the things of this world. And folks, you know, I'm not just talking about ice cream and pizza. Amen? Okay. Second thing, the second thing that you can, again, to help you to combat against that lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Agree with Job and literally set binders on your eyes. And I'm not just talking about areas of sexual sin, though that is huge in our world and in our culture right now but in every area that is contrary to the will and the plan of God in our life. You know what? The thoughts may come over us. The temptation might come. But man, we need to cut it right there. We need to stop it right there. The longer we allow that temptation or that thought to come into our mind, the harder it is to break away from it and to say, no, no, I don't want that. No, I'm not going there. Well, maybe in a minute I won't go there. Well, let me linger for a moment. Pretty soon we start lingering and pretty soon we've fallen right into it rather than saying no. The old saying is, is you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest there. How long do you let that thing before you say, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. The third thing, recognize and understand that all that we have that is good and right is from the Father in heaven. And the Lord truly does give and take away. 
we should never carry with us any amount of pride. I don't care what it's about, your intellect, your, your, your finesse, your finance, your, your skills, your abilities, your treasures of the things of this world. I don't care what it is. There should be no pride within us. Because again, every good thing comes from our Father in heaven. So if it's good, he's giving it to us. And if it's bad, you shouldn't have it anyway. Amen? You know, so those three areas, I think, again, help us in that whole area of pride. Lord, this is all yours. How can I be prideful of it? Along with these words of John here in 1 John, we also looked real quick at the words of James in James's letter. In James 1, James told us in verse 14, but each one of us is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own desires and, and, and is enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Again, it's that idea that bird has flown, man, I've allowed it to land on my head, I've allowed it to stay there for a while, now that dude has built a nest, and he's had a couple of eggs by this time, you know, because again, I've allowed it to stay there. And what James is saying, man, there is a process that goes through in every one of our lives when sin starts working its way into our lives. Now, when I shared that last week, after the study, someone came up to me and says, hey, Help me to understand this. What does James really mean when he says, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death? What kind of a death is he saying at that point? Does that mean that uh, the, the loss of physical life? Does it mean the loss of our salvation? What kind of a death is he referring to? Well, if we look again at the context of all of Scripture, and guys, whenever you have a hard time in trying to understand what any of the writers say, what any Scripture says, back up. And if you don't understand it, back up a little bit more. And if you still don't understand it, back up a little bit more and get the context of all of the Word of God to help you understand what the Word of God is saying. The best interpretation of the word of God is what, church? The word of God, okay? So when we look at that, we, we look at that through the context of the scriptures, and again, we really and truly have to say that he is speaking of a death that, yeah, it definitely hits us in the realm of our spiritual life. Not necessarily a loss of physical life, although, yeah, some sins, man, we, we bring ourselves, the consequences of that sin brings about, you know, the loss of physical life. But it's not, and hear me out on this, it's not at the loss of our salvation. It is not, what James is saying there does not deal with death as the loss of our salvation. Otherwise, gang, Every time we sin, do we lose our salvation? There are some churches, some denominations, you can get lost and saved and lost and saved and lost and saved. They have multiple salvations through the years. The thing is, it's the same group of people. Because again, they have guilty, amen. I, I, I think I lost my salvation. I need to get saved again. Guys, that cannot be according to the balance of all of Scripture. All we need to do, though, even right here, is go back to the reference that John gave us here in 1 John. If we look back at the end of that 
chapter one and the beginning of chapter two, what does he say? Guys, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth isn't in us. And who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. And then he goes on to say, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And then in chapter two, he goes on to say, my little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And again, that whole understanding is, yeah, our our focus, our goal, our planned purpose is to live a life without sin, to live a life of holiness unto the Lord. But you know what? We're carrying this carcass, not as an excuse, but just flat out as a reality. And there are times that we're going to stumble. That's not giving me an excuse to say, well, Lord, you know, I still got this carcass. I still got this flesh that I'm having to deal with. You understand, Lord, and we go on that way. No, because that's demonstrating an absolute disdain for the blood of Christ. When we have that kind of an attitude, we're walking with a disdain for the sacrifice of Christ. For us, it can only mean what James says there that it brings about death. It can only mean a type of death, a loss of fellowship, and an emptiness, a darkness, a loss of being spiritually alive in Him. It's what happens when we're walking in sin. It's what the Apostle Paul speaks about when he says, walking in the flesh. But that begs a question. Can we as believers walk in the flesh if we're born again in the spirit of God? Well, the answer to that is simply, absolutely, yes, we can. We can choose the flesh rather than the spirit. Again, Paul goes through that a great deal. That's the whole reason that James writes what he writes. That's the whole reason why John is writing what he writes. Listen, don't sin. But if you do, you've got an advocate. But then he's got the rest of the book that he's saying, man, this is the way. This is the life of a true Christian. This is the life of a true believer to walk this way. So please understand that is not an excuse. It's not a a, a pass to sin. When we walk in sin, when we choose sin over what we know to be righteousness, we're walking in the flesh. We're not walking in the spirit. When we choose the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eyes or the pride of life, that means that we are choosing against that leading, that directing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And brothers and sisters, that is a dangerous, dangerous journey to be on in so many levels, so many levels. It can lead to all kinds of issues and destruction in our lives, not only in our fellowship with the Lord, but also in our fellowship with people. The battle of our spouses, the the battle with our brothers and sisters in Christ, the damage that we do to the testimony of Christ, to the world that's all around us. It brings damage to our spirits. It brings damage to our emotions. And yes, it can bring damage even to our flesh, depending upon what that sin is. Walking in the flesh brings us the stench of rotting flesh, 
rather than the sweetness of the essence of Christ. Guys, I don't know about you, but I would much rather have the sweetness of the essence of Christ than the stench of rotting flesh. I have to go back with what Paul says, man. Time past has been sufficient to walk in those things. I want to walk again in the sweetness of Christ. And we definitely look, we definitely smell spiritually dead when we're walking in the flesh. Back to 1 John here in verse 17, where John said that the world is passing away. Well, now he picks that up in verse 18. That's why he says, little children, this is the last hour. In other words, you need to pay attention because time is passing by. And I know Peter even gets to that, is that people say, oh, you know, you've been saying that for years and years and nothing has changed. Well, no, God has a time clock. We just don't know what zero hour is yet. But we can definitely look at the signs of the times and we can understand, man, as this world, literally this world, this terra firma, the planet itself, is wearing out and and wearing down. And things are beginning to change in it at an ever-increasing rate. Not simply because you guys back in the 70s used too much hairspray from an aerosol can. That's not the reason. It's because this world is just not meant to last forever. This is the last hour. Yes, we're to be good stewards of the world and of what he's given it. Don't take me wrong here. John says... As you've heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. We looked at this, and again, we spoke about the fact These were false converts. These were false disciples. Therefore, they were false teachers, false leaders, individuals rising up actually within the local churches. Uh, Some of them, many of them, probably most of them, if not all of them, naturally gifted, but not spiritually directed, nor were they spiritually empowered. They were the ones who had never been born again. They were the ones that looked like, they felt like, but the problem is it was all religion. It wasn't relationship. They had never had a true experience with our Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. There was never a conversion time in their life. There was never a heartfelt confession of sin or a cry out for forgiveness in their life. They just kind of sidestepped into the, well, not even into the kingdom. They sidestepped into the church and the church received them because they walked and they talked like they were believers. But again, there never was a part of their lives that were brought into the very body of Christ, into the spirit of Christ, and into the kingdom of God. But John had a much greater hope and encouragement for those that he's writing to. And I believe we can receive that today here, that encouragement that he brings to us. Changes from within by the open word. 
Pastor David has been studying three letters from the Apostle John here on The Open Word, aptly named 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Each one reminds you who Jesus is, why you should follow Him, and how that's accomplished. You can learn from these letters and grow in your faith just the same as the first readers did. And if you're new to the Bible and to Jesus, you can learn all about the man who can save you. Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to die for your sins. He loves you more than you can comprehend, and He wants you to be free from what's holding you back. If you want to take that next step and begin a relationship with Jesus, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we support you and we're praying for you. If you still have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. Here's Pastor David with more information. Thanks, Chris. Yes, I'd love to meet you. So please come join us this weekend for a time of worship and Bible study here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can expect to meet some friendly people and learn more about your Savior. Directions and more info can be found at theopenword.com. Just click on the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. I'm excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word. Make us more.